Uh, we have been collecting forms with some of your questions about God and the Bible to help us prepare for the series that we're going into, which is the You Asked For It series. And uh, we hope to go through some of these questions over the next three weeks. Um, we had a few questions come in on what are our thoughts on tithing and generosity? Specifically, what are, you know, what do we think, and people wondering, if tithing is still required for new covenant Christians? And uh, it's actually a really great question. We haven't really talked a lot about those things here uh, uh, in, in the past weeks and in the past months. And uh, if you only hear one thing today when it comes to finances and Jesus, I want you to hear that generosity wins. Uh, Jesus calls all of us to be generous people in our heart, generous in our finances, generous in our schedules, generous in our life to make room and accommodate and bless and love and encourage other people. Um, we are to model generosity at all areas. And that actually is the governing principle, this, this idea of generosity that we, we apply to areas of finances in our life. And so I want you to know that there are lots of different views, even on tithing. And, and, and how you view tithing and giving and, and, and that kind of thing is a non-essential to be a Christian, and it's a non-essential to be a part of our community. What that means is you can have different ideas and different viewpoints and different convictions on that, and we can, we can maybe even have different ideas together, but there's still room for us to be in spiritual community together. And I think sometimes uh, the church can be in error when we become very dogmatic on things and we say this is the way it is and this is what we require and those kind of things. And that certainly is not our intent or, or uh, what we're after today. And so I'm aware that some churches talk a lot about giving. Uh, that has not been our style here. Typically, we bring a few updates to you throughout the year and kind of add some things in and give you some updates. But um, we, I, I've never uh, devoted an entire talk to finances before. Uh, I think one of the reasons is because we really want to hold to our value of being a safe culture. And so I have a sensitivity towards not wanting to be uh, a manipulative culture, or one that is coercive and, and putting pressure on and those kind of things. So I think I tend to kind of maybe shy away from some of, of those things and some of those financial types of things. And, um, you know, if this is your first time with us or you're just kind of new and getting a feel for who we are, we want you to know that um, we're not about money uh, we're not motivated by money. And really what we're looking at is, is uh, the questions were submitted. What, what do we think about these things? And so it's a good opportunity for us to talk about this in our, in our church community. And, um, you know, every time I have done an update on finances, I have taken a shot. It's amazing. I, I want everybody to know this, okay? My email address is chadj at thehouseonline.ca. I'm booking appointments into Thursday, okay? So just know now if you, you want to get, you type something out. Uh, I've had emails like the moment I leave in the morning that have come in. And, uh, and it, it, I don't know what it is about when we talk about finances. It's, it's, it, it, all of us, we get a little bit weird sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But, um, you know... Uh, I think sometimes there's a cynicism and a, and a sensitivity towards talking about these things in churches. And, and sometimes, I feel this as a leader. Sometimes people think that um, they don't want to hear something because they think there's a, a, a self 
a, a selfish motive or a selfish agenda and those kinds of things. Okay, so that you know, I don't actually have access to our books or our bank accounts. I don't know who gives what or doesn't or any of those kinds of things. I don't, I don't want to know those things. And so uh, just so you know, if, 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 if I speak on tithing today or, or on giving and generosity and our, and, our, and our giving goes through the roof, okay, there's no bonus or commission for me at the end of the morning, okay? I, it's not like I get to go to Earl's for lunch and, and you know, buy a round for everybody because it was a good morning. That, that, that's not what's gonna happen. Um, there's no, you know, we're in this together. And so as, as the lead pastor, these are some of the things that we, we just have to talk about once in a while. And it's really for the betterment of us as a community and our vision and where we're going. So I want to dedicate a, a, a talk to this for a couple of reasons. One is because it's an important part of being a spiritually mature Christian. The Bible actually talks about finances over 800 times. Half of Jesus' parables talk about money more than any other subject that he addresses. And, and I think it's because it's an area of our life that can trip us up and it's an area of our life that is, it's one of the most difficult areas to bring under the lordship and the mastery of Jesus. And so it's an important thing even to Christ to communicate to the early church and to the disciples. It's an important thing for us today. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of development in our community, in our church over the last uh, couple of months and three months as we stepped out at the beginning of September on our own. So I think it's a good time to maybe just talk a little bit about some of those things and how are we doing and, and talk about that. So the, the real question is this. Are Christians required to tithe in the New Testament under the New Covenant? And uh, the majority of biblical teaching on tithing reveals that it is a part of the law of Moses. Many New Testament scriptures make it clear that we're not under Mosaic law. 1 Corinthians 9, 20, 21, James 1, 25, and 2, 8, and 12, and Romans 13, 8, 10 specifically are all verses that would speak about having freedom in Christ, not under the curse and the bondage and the, the, the requirements of the law, of the, of the Mosaic law. And so what we see is this, is when scripture speaks of being free from the law, it's typically referring to the legalistic requirements of the law and not of uh, so much the end intent of what the law was requiring uh, to happen in our lives to begin with. And so it looks like this. We're free from the religious ordinances like sacrificing animals, or choosing our diet according to what's clean and unclean, or what we can touch according to what's clean and unclean. Those, those religious ordinances, we're, we're free from those things. We, Jesus declared all things clean. We don't have to follow those Old Testament, Old Covenant, Mosaic Law codes. And the new covenant of Jesus, it, it, his grace made a way for us to actually fulfill the intent of the law in a more free and gracious way. Now, in the early church, one of the stumbling blocks, one of the main issues, because you remember, when the early church started, it started out of, at first, a Jewish culture, a Jewish community. Jesus was from the Jews. Jesus was a Jew through his heritage. And his community and his first followers were, and then it began to spread as, a, as, as God's kingdom and the church grew. It actually began to step into the Roman culture and the Roman empire and it, and it, and it spread to the outer ends of the world. But in the beginning part, it was very much a Jewish um, experience of finding Christ. 
And there were lots of tensions between how do we bring our Jewish understanding of Jesus into our more secular or Roman Empire or non-Jewish belief and encounter with Jesus. And this is one of the stumbling blocks of the early church. It was circumcision. In the old covenant law, men were to be circumcised in order to have their mark, the mark of God put on them and declare God's purity and holiness on them. In the new covenant, men are not required to be circumcised. In fact, what we see in scripture is it says that Jesus, actually the being born again, being forgiven in Christ, is what Jesus does is he actually circumcises the heart of man. And so we don't need to be circumcised in the flesh in order to meet a standing and fulfill a requirement of holiness and standing with God because God has already done that on our heart. And so we see we're not obligated to fulfill this Old Testament law anymore, but the intent of what that law was was to say you're holy, God's put his purity on you, God's got his forgiveness on you. That's fulfilled through Jesus. And so the intent is carried forward. And it does not mean that circumcision is wrong. It means that circumcision is wrong if you're trying to enforce it and impose it on somebody in order to make them have proper standing with God. That's where it gets wrong. Legalism and bondage and control and those kinds of things. Okay, I think I've said that word enough. We're gonna, we're gonna move on. Uh, biblically speaking, the requirement to tithe is much the same way. Uh, you may be surprised to hear me say this today, but by my best understanding of Scripture and how new covenant Christians are to carry forward in the freedom of Jesus, we are not required to tithe 10% as regulated in the law of Moses. So I don't know if I just blew your mind there or not. Many of you are going, yes, this is the best talk on giving I've ever heard. As New Covenant Christians, we're still instructed to give, but we do it out of a heart of worship to God, not compulsion or obligation. And the important question for New Covenant believers is this, how does the grace of Jesus help us fulfill the intent of the regulated tithe. And so I do not believe that tithe as mandated in the law is required of Christians to fulfill in order to meet a standing or or whatever with God. But I do believe in the principles of the tithe as laid out in the Old Covenant and that many of those things would still very much apply to our life. And so I want to just take a look at understanding a few of these principles of, of, and the intent of tithing and seeing, is there, is there a way that God continues to see these things uh, lived out and fulfilled in our life? So tithing, of course, is a good practice for living a disciplined Christian life. The benefit of the tithe uh, method is that it's regular, it's consistent, it's a good way of giving back to God. The more consistent things become, the easier it is to make them a priority and ensure they get done. I have kids that, um, one of my daughters is in braces. Oh, it's expensive. Every month, it's out. Uh, One of my other daughters is in competitive gymnastics. 
15 hours a week, she goes to the gymnastics club and she's going to travel. She's got uh, competitions in Edmonton and actually in, in Texas later ne next year. And it, it, it's expensive. And every month these things come out of my finances. But you know, um, because I have them set up as a regular plan, a regular, somehow there's a way that they get paid. And I make a choice on some other things that I, that I don't. And my point is, is that the more regular and consistent and the more a part of my life those things become, the easier it is to make sure they get done and that they're a priority. And that's actually part of the benefit of the tithe method where we do it as a regular, consistent way of giving to God. Consistency is a, is a good thing. Living a disciplined spiritual life is not exclusive to the law of Moses. It's, it's not something that is just regulated to the law. Another thing is that tithing is a declaration of faith in God to supply. Of course, one of the most common passages of Scripture when it comes to our finances is Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food for my temple in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. It's the only time that we're actually instructed to, to test the Lord in his, in his goodness and his promises in that way. Um, you know, every time we give to the Lord, we're declaring we put our trust in him as the one who supplies. By tithing back to God, we're declaring everything we have is his already, and he is the source and the supply of everything. The principle of God supplying our need is not exclusive to the old covenant law. It's something that we still would believe in and hope for today. Tithing is a declaration of lordship over our finances. One of the intents of tithing is to demonstrate God has mastery over our finances. Materialism and the love of money, it's a formidable force to bring under the lordship of Christ. And I think one of the most powerful ways to demonstrate that our finances don't control us is to, in fact, be generous with our finances and with our money. It's one of the most beautiful things that we can do as Christians. It's one of the most liberating things we can do. I know this to be true. The most generous people that I know are not the wealthiest. But the most generous people I know are the freest people I know. And more than just giving finances in regular church offerings and tithes, and, and there are ways that you can leverage your finances and who you are and your life to be a blessing to other people. And you can follow and listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And God will do a wonderful thing through you. And if you want to declare and make a statement that I will not let materialism and the things of this world trap me and ensnare me and hold me up. It is to freely give, to show that you're not bound and you're not held by the power of those things. So the principle of declaring God has a lordship over our finances is not exclusive to the law of Moses. The other thing is that tithing as an intent is designed to support the ministry needs of God's people. The requirements for the tithe they were given to ensure the operations of ministry, 
uh, were looked after. The Levitical priesthood, the places of worship were cared for, provisions for the ceremonies, some of the humanitarian work and the ministry that they were doing. This is, this is just as true today as it was back then. There's a cost to being a spiritual community in our culture today. So this is, sometimes people ask us these things, and I figure this is as good of a time to kind of bring you up to date with some of that as you know. Our, our lease every month to have this, this facility is about $7,000 a month. It's under what the square footage and, and lease rates would be in the city for, a, for a, a comparable building. We have very favorable rates, but it, it does cost a significant amount of finances for us to just be here and facilitate and host our ministry. I'm thankful for this venue. It gets used literally six or seven days a week. There is something here every night. There's things here throughout the day, the student lounge, the soup nights, the, all of the student things, all of our worship and band and, and music stuff. We have Alpha and midweek things. We have our affinity groups. We have the mums group. There are so many things that happen and are facilitated from this place. I'm so thankful. We're so blessed for it. And it is, it is really, it's, it's, it's money well spent to provide a place for us to be able to do ministry. But it does cost money. Uh, we have a, a couple full-time and a few part-time salaries. We support some missionary partners overseas. We pay the Fortis bill every month. We have paper and printers and software subscriptions that we have to pay for. Uh, we have, you know, how hospitality is a big part of us. We go through about $500 a month in uh, paper plates and napkins and spices and, you know, stuff, kitchen supplies, consumables. It, it, there's a lot of things that happen in the scope of this ministry. And um, the first three months of our first, we, we start in September as our own. The first three months that we've been going are lots of startup costs, lots of new expenses, lots of new things that, as we've stepped out in faith have come our way. There are some things that we knew were coming. There are other things that we just responded and we felt we should do. Alpha was something we hadn't really planned on doing, but we felt it was the right thing to do. Well, we have 50, 60 people at Alpha, and it actually, over the course of 10 weeks in a retreat, it's going to be somewhere around four or $5,000 to do Alpha, to pay for the food and the resources and all those things. Do we not do those things and not do ministry and impact people's lives? No, we, we do it. We step out in faith. Trust that the Lord will provide and the Lord will supply because that's what we do. We're about ministry. But there are things that we can't always plan for and know, and we have to make a choice we have to decide, we can't do that, but we're going to do this. We're going to step out in faith. We're going to believe for this. And there's always a tension back and forth between being fiscally responsible and being stewards of what God has given us, and at the same time saying, we are about moving forward. We are about advancing the kingdom of God. We are not about staying the same and being still and being lukewarm. We are about getting new ground and hitting people in the kingdom for God. And so we have to take steps of faith. Um, we spent about $1,500 putting in a server uh, a month ago because we didn't have a server. It was me here the whole time with a laptop. That was our server. And now we have a few more people and team members. There's a lot of files and a lot of stuff to link and figure out. And we, ha we, just, we have to do these things. We can't do it without. Um, we had to get property and liability insurance before... As, a, as, a, as an extension ministry of Evangel, we, we kind of slid under their covering in a lot of ways. But now we are our own society. We have to kind of step up and have some of our own insurance coverages and things like that. Well, our insurance is about $4,000 for the year. We had to put that out in the beginning. 
um, our shuttle, that beautiful... <laughs> when, when, when we switched the plates over, we put down that Evangel sold it to us for a dollar, and the people that put the license on it didn't even question us on that. <laughs> uh, we bought that thing eight years ago with 400,000 kilometers for $600, like 10 years ago or whatever it was. We spent $700 on the graphics. <laughs> the, the logos are worth more than that thing. And it works most weeks and it gets us to the university. And we pack two, three trips on a Sunday night of students over here. It's awesome. We're blessed with it. But that, that sucker costs $2,300 a year to put insurance on it because it's intended to transport people. They're, they're, it just, it, you know what it's like. Stuff costs money. It takes finances every month for us to be here and do what we do. And we don't talk about those things. We don't give you the spreadsheets every week and all those, but it, it, takes, it takes finances. And um, I would say this, I'm proud of this church because we're not staff driven. We're very lean, we run a lean machine. We don't have nice offices and extravagant offices. My office is shared with everybody else who works here. I don't even have a desk. Uh, it is the mum's Bible study room. It is the pre-service prayer room. It is the midweek meeting room. It is the counseling room. It's the Bible study room. It's my office. It's somebody else's office. The tables get changed around all over the place. We're not running on a lot of overhead and fancy kind of stuff. I'm proud of our church for being flexible to do that. I'm, pr I'm proud that we, we um, yeah. I'm proud that we have volunteers that can do kids' ministry. <laughs> I hate that I cry all the time, but... <laughs> <laughs> we make it work. That's my point. We are here to do this and to make it work with whatever we have and with whatever resources, and if it means we're going to have to figure stuff out and change it, and we're going to have to go to two services down the road or whatever it means in the morning, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're committed to our people, our marriages, our young couples, our families. We'll figure it out. We are in this. We are invested. We are believing, and we're going to take ground, and we're going to keep going forward. And the reality is, the invitation to you and I to join in with God and support the ministry needs of his people is not exclusive to the law of Moses. And so when we look at tithing, say, are we obligated to tithe 10%? I would say principally, Jesus gives us a different way to look at that. 2 Corinthians 9, 5, 8 says this, I want to be a willing gift, uh, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This is in the Bible. Check this out. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 
The New Testament clearly teaches that every believer is invited to give out of a heart of generosity. Now the temptation is to look at this and say, sweet, I'm off the hook. I don't have to tithe 10%. Could it be possible there's something else for us to see here? The reality is is that the 10% number was actually the minimum requirement regulated by the law to have this uh, standing with God. It was the minimum. So could it be that instead of figuring out what the minimum is we should be giving, we should be thinking about how generous we can be regardless of what that percentage is. The generosity of Jesus' life on the cross not only fulfilled the requirements of the law, it so punched through. It was like Jesus broke the sound barrier. What Jesus did on the cross, it not only met the bare minimum requirements of the law, it so far exceeded them that it rendered the law powerless over humanity for the rest of our time. The generosity of Jesus, think about it. Is it possible our generosity could actually exceed the requirements of the law in much the same way as Jesus' generosity on the cross exceeded those law's demands. So here it is. John 10 says, Jesus came to give life and give it abundant. It does not say Jesus came to give the bare minimum and get by. Jesus is about abundance. The story of God at work in your life is an invitation to be more like Jesus in all areas. More forgiving, more loving, more patient, more kind, more gentle, and more generous. There is not, hear me, there is not one New Testament example of bringing honor to Jesus by focusing on the bare minimum. Just let that sit and marinate on you for a minute. Because when we think of our finances, we often think of what is the bare minimum we could do, we could get by with, and and, and so that we think we're okay with God. We look at finances opposite of the way we look at everything else in Jesus. Jesus is about abundance. He offers generosity to far exceed everything in every area of our life. And so I encourage you and challenge you to think about your finances in that way. Um, The house is here because of the generosity of God's people. When we began this vision in 2007, we looked everywhere for a place. There was nothing available. We finally found this venue, uh, but it was for sale, and we didn't have enough finances to to buy it. And three business guys, three Christian business guys, bought it and, and, and leased it back to us so they could facilitate the ministry. That was the beginning of people stepping up in generosity and believing in, in, in our call and helping us do what we do. Uh, there was nothing in here that when we first came in, you may have heard some of these stories, but if you look at the vinyl plank flooring between here and the garage floor, you'll notice there's a, there's a line kind of coming through the floor. It's about a, a, a foot across. It comes from the, the it, it, it's the main water line that goes from uh, the coffee shop over to where the washrooms are. There, there was nothing in here at all. So we had to, first thing we did is we had to cut the floor and, and get out all this concrete and jackhammer out all this, con- this big pile of concrete all over where we cut out for all the water lines and all the electrical lines and all the stuff. And we were looking at it and we we're like, how are we going to get this stuff out of here? Like, oh, 
I had like a shovel, and there were a couple other guys, and we we're like, this is just, this is not a good idea. We, we missed this one. Like, don't get me to help build stuff that way, because I don't know what I'm doing. And, uh, and a guy came over to Alan's hose and all, pulled up with a big one ton and a, and a bobcat. And he came over, and he, and he parked in front of our building. He looked in, and he says, hey, what are you guys doing? We said, oh, well, we're going to, you know, we explained to him what we were. And what we're gonna. He goes, cool, you need help with that concrete? And we said, yeah, actually we do. And he got his bobcat out, loaded everything, took all the concrete away. We'd only been here for like a couple hours and already God was showing up and doing cool things. Now, it's a small little story, but it's the beginning. And it's something that has been played over and has been happening uh, in our story again and again and again. Uh, the entire plumbing package all the labor and all the supplies, all the toilets and the urinals and the sinks and putting it all in was over $25,000. And the company that, that, that was doing the job, they, not, they're not Christian guys. And they said, we, they gave it to us, the whole thing. They didn't charge us. Um, the electrical work, same thing. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. All the supplies, all the parts, all the work, all the install, no invoice. They just gave it to us. Um, the flooring company came in, got our order, took, we got all the stuff and all the supplies and all, it was, it was about $20,000 for everything. No invoice, said they'd be happy to cover the cost. These are not Christian, most of them not even Christian businessmen and they, they were blessing us. We had a, a tile layer come in. We're trying to get all of our tile down all the way through the bathroom, the hallway, the entranceway. Had a guy come in to measure it and give us a quote. Came in, he's like, what is this place? And we told him, he said, I got a 19-year-old son. <laughs> and if this place had been around when he was in university, he could have really used it. This guy is not a Christian. And he came in between Christmas and New Year's. He said, I got four days off. And he came in and he got his hands and knees and he installed all our tile and he never charged us. Because God's hand has been providing and blessing and been on our community and God's generosity has been providing. And I'm so thankful for the generosity and the willingness of people to come and help. Uh, I, I remember uh, going away, I was, on a, uh, I was on a lunch meeting, and I came back. This is in the beginning times when we were still doing some of the construction and still getting ready in our very beginning phase. And uh, one of the guys who was working here, he said, oh, hey, somebody stopped by and uh, gave an envelope for you. And he took it out of his tool belt. It was so crumpled up and jammed in and uh, sawdust and he pulled it out and, and I smoothed it out and opened it up. It was a check for $50,000. Some guy, a business guy at Evangel said, I want to get behind this. When we were all done and getting ready in our final months, getting ready to open for our first student lounge phase, we had no stools, no couches, uh, no TVs. We had none of none, all those finishing fixtures. Were, we, we didn't have them done yet. And we were getting ready to open the student lounge. <laughs> we had, and they said, we just don't have, we don't have enough money. We don't have the finances. We, we, you're going to have to figure something out. And I was like, there is no way we're going to use some cheesy plastic card lawn furniture to like do this. That's not what we're about. And um, I made a spreadsheet with every item that we needed. I still have it. Came to $18,200. Uh, 
I showed the guys. They said, well, we just hold on to it. We, we can't do it. We don't know what's going to... And uh, two days later, I was talking to Ed, and Ed said, look, you just wouldn't believe this. He said, I, I was having coffee with so-and-so, and this is what he said, this, 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 this gentleman that Ed was meeting with. He said, my wife woke me up at four in the morning the other day. He said, I think we're supposed to give the house $18,000. And a couple days later, we had a check. I know those figures seem like a lot of money, and uh, tears are not a sign of manipulation. They're a sign of saying, God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for meeting the needs. This community, from the very beginning, has built, been built on the generosity of God's people again and again and again. And we will not try to mandate and manipulate and institute and regulate a tithe and keep track of people. And All we want is for you to be generous in God and figure it out. We hope that you will join us in the vision that God has before us. And I say this in all sincerity. In all sincerity, I need you to hear this. If you don't want to give because you don't trust the leadership to steward your gift or you don't agree with our vision or our mission or our culture or who we are, I would encourage you to go find a church that you get behind and you, you agree with and invest and be a part of that because we are all called to be generous and to be investing in the kingdom of God. And if you honestly feel like you can't do that or be a part of that here, then, then be released to find a church that you can be a part of. And for the rest of you that are a part of us, could I simply invite you and humbly ask you to just do this, to just ask the Lord and follow his leading on what you should give. Just say to the Lord, God, what, what is it that you want me to give? How do you want me to be generous? It is not by coercion. It is not by giving you a percentage. It is not by manipulation. It is by you listening to Jesus and the Spirit of God and figuring it out between him and you. And if you're not in the habit of giving, I invite you to just listen to what God would say. That's it. I won't even tell you you have to give. Just listen to what Jesus would say about that area of your life. Um, as we close the service today, thank you for listening to this talk, and I um, hope you can appreciate the heart and the message behind it. Uh, we spent a lot of time getting set up as a charitable community, charitable status with Revenue Canada, and I want to encourage you to take advantage of this. And I've talked to some people, and they're not fully sure of how it works. When you fill out a donation envelope, we have your information, and your, and your, your, your donation goes in on that. And, and we take that, and at the end of the year, we can generate a receipt for you. I, I asked uh, an accountant for a real-world figure. This is just for your own info, so that you know, because some people don't know this. Um, and he gave me this. He said, one of, he didn't tell me who it was, but he said, one of my clients is on salary for $57,000 a year. Based on his income, he had $9,600 due in income tax. But this person donated $6,000 to charity. And that netted him a 43% tax return 
So we got uh, $2,600 back. So in the end, this client only paid $7,000 tax instead of $9,600. And, and here's the thing. He had to pay that $9,600 regardless. So by donating the $6,000, it actually only cost him $3,400 more, if you can follow the math. So when even you set up, that's, that's, that's in that neighborhood of 10%, okay? Even as a, as a figure, that's actually over 10%, but even as a figure, as an example, as, as a benchmark, say, look, if I give that much, the net effect is that you will pay way less tax on the income because you apply that directly against what you owe. And so the net effect of what it costs in your pocket actually is not as big and as, as giant as it is. Now, you still give that $6,000. The church or who, whatever charity or wherever it goes still receives that $6,000. It's just that the benefit back to you is that you will end up paying less tax. It is a good thing for us to be able to take advantage of. That's why you hear us say, fill out the envelope, do the donation station, and, and go and do that, okay? And um, we're going to have... I, I need you guys for just like... Two more minutes here, okay? And then we'll get, we're going to close. Lots of stuff that we wanted to cover. Um, we're going to have Ryan Deswan come up. Ryan is our, uh, our new assistant pastor, and he's been working on helping us get set up with a new online website, a new web platform to be able to do some giving, and regular donations, even setting up like a tithe where it's a regular donation, things like app-based giving, cell phone-based giving, stuff like that. And so we have a, a, a really quick video, and then Ryan's just going to walk you through some of those things. And, and then we'll dismiss this morning. Thanks for being gracious and letting us communicate this this morning. Giving to your local church should be easy. And with Tidely, it is. Just download the app and securely register your credit or debit card. You're done. Now you can give during church services or anywhere else. Use Tidely to give a one-time gift or set up recurring donations. It's that simple. It's fast, secure, and easy to use. Tithely, the simplest way to give to your local church. Okay. All right. Well, hey, guys, so great to have you in church this morning. Like Chad said, my name is Ryan, and we, we were talking this week, and he said, you know, you don't spend a lot of time up front on a Sunday morning. It'd be great to have you up front on a Sunday morning. We know you're up lots on Sunday evening. He said, why don't we start you talking about giving? Great. Yeah, why don't we do that? I said, good. Thumbs up. Uh, and so we, we're excited to roll out Tidely as the platform that we've chosen to make uh, giving accessible and easy for you. We want, want it to be simple for you to be a part of the faithful work that God's doing here at the house. So I'm going to run through two ways really quickly that you can partner with us uh, through Tidely. And so the first is this, through our website. We're going to run through some slides behind me on the screen so that you guys can see exactly what's going on and uh, follow along. So let's take a look at this first slide. This first way to give is through our website, and it has three simple steps. The first is this, to go to the website. We tracking? Okay. So you go to the website, and you're going to navigate to give in the top right corner of the navigation bar. Once done that, you're going to end up at a page that looks like this, with a give button at the bottom. Upon clicking on that give button, you're going to end up at a form that looks simply like this. It's branded from the house, so you can tell you're not giving money to uh, someone else. You're not going to be paying uh, Trinity down the road. You know you're giving to us, so we're thankful for that. Uh, and as you go through it, here's what you're going to fill out. So the first thing is the amount. The second is we have three options for you 
uh, and areas of ministry that you can give. So most often, uh, we would love for you to give to the general fund. So that's supporting the general ministry of the house. Now, occasionally, we have something like Alpha going on, and we would call that a ministry of the house, uh, in which case, you said, I want to give this specific amount to Alpha. Uh, You would select ministries, Okay, but for today's example, we're going to go through the general fund. So we've selected the general fund. Uh, You're going to fill out all of your personal information, okay? And so Tithely uh, has a a secure system that they manage and keep all of your credit card and personal information. We don't do any of that. Tithely does that securely. Uh, They have a, uh, you can read all into it on their website if you need to. Uh, And so that, that would be the next step to giving. You can see there, there's a little section that says note. If you were to give to a ministry and you say, I want to give to Alpha, uh, in that note or memo area, you could simply say Alpha, and that way we would know where your designated funds are going. With a regular gift, though, that field would remain blank. You've now inputted all of your personal information, and you're given the option to uh, cover the credit card processing fees. So as an organization, we have to incur the fees of processing your credit or debit card, just like any other small business would have to do. If you're feeling overly generous, you can simply tick that guy, and then you cover it. We like that. All right. So if at this point you're going, that's it, I want to give my gift, I am done, you simply click at the bottom, give, uh, and you're done. You're going to receive a receipt to your email address that you've provided, and it will say you've given so and so much to the house, thanks for your generosity, uh, and, and at the year end we'll provide you a receipt with the sum of all of this year's giving. Now say you think, I'm not done, I'd actually like to set up to give more than just this one time, but I'd like to do it monthly, or I'd like to do it weekly. Tidely has an option to set up what they call automated giving. And so uh, what it has here is it says you can automatically give, set up automated giving, and it gives you a frequency selector. And so you can choose whether you want to do every week, you can do every two weeks, every month, so on and so forth. So we're going to say, I want to give as Ryan once a month. I can then select in the next slide here, when do I want to give that? Do I get paid on the 1st? Do I get paid on the 15th? Uh, And this way you can select when the funds actually come out of your account. At this point, you'll also be prompted to create a password and a four-digit PIN. So what this allows you to do is create an account to actually manage that recurring gift, okay? And so on Tithely's website or on their iPhone or Android app, using the email address you provided, and the password that you've supplied here, you'll actually be able to log in and see all of your information and then manage this recurring gift. Once you've set up all of these options, you're gonna, just like the first gift, hit give, and boom, the next thing you're gonna get is a receipt. Now, if you set it up as an automated gift, you will receive two receipts. The first one on my right, your left, simply says, hey, Thanks for supporting the ministry of the house. We're thankful that you've chosen to partner with us, and we're going to issue you a tax receipt at year end. The second email here says, thank you for setting up automated giving. Here's your details. So it tells you how much you've set up to give, to what fund, what the term is, and then what date that will start. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know, next month is going to be a really, really good month. I actually want to increase my recurring gift. Maybe not too many of you. Okay, so let's go to the next slide. Uh, What you can do is you can log in either through Tithely's app, which you can download for iPhone or Android using the password and the email that you provided, or through our website on the Give form. You can log in and select the house as your church, 
And the next slide, oh, sorry, actually, let's go back one more, real quick. Yep, yep, oh, there we go, okay. And so at the bottom here, for those of you in the front, you might not be able to see it, but there is a little circle around the automated indicator at the bottom of the menu. So you would select automated, and then you'd come to a screen that says, Remove recurring gift. So we want you to know that once you've set up recurring giving, you are not locked in. You're not set for a year. You don't have to go, oh crap, I'm not gonna be able to pay for my game of golf. I need to cancel my I need to cancel my donation. Or hey, you know, but realistically, rent's gonna be tight, or this is gonna be a tight. We want you to know that it's really simple for you to manage that recurring gift, that you can pause it, cancel it, and reinstate it at any time with three clicks. Okay? Really, really simple. So that's step one, okay? You can give online through our website or online through our website on your smartphone. The second is this, through text to give And it's a new service that we're rolling out. And so the house has a dedicated number that you see on the screen behind me. Uh, so you don't have to, but you'd be welcome to at this point. If you wanted to pull out your phone, uh, you wouldn't actually be locked into anything. But if you text GIVE to 204 400 2966 it's going to come up, and your, your smartphone, you'll receive a message back from this number that looks something like this. It says, hi there. Click here, and it gives you a link. And this link allows you to navigate to a form that looks very much like the form that you would have seen on the online or web giving. And so if we go to the next slide here, it looks very similar. It says email, full name, password, your PIN number. If we go to the next one, you have all of your personal credit card and, and information that, that we need to be able to take your money. And, um, and then uh, from there, uh, you are all set up to actually give a gift over text. Uh, so what's so awesome is that, that you only have to do that this one time. Okay? Every time thereafter, if I want to give via text, I can simply text something like 20, for instance, to 204-400-2966, and I'm going to get a text back that looks something like this. Oh, one more. There we go. It says, thanks for giving 2091, because I've opted to credit to cover the, the processing fees. Um, and then, uh, so you, you've then given a gift. If... For instance, one of, one of your friends, one of your enemies, ends up with your phone and they decide they want to give the house $2 million. And you, of course your account's not going not gonna to go blank. It's going to have that and, and it's going to come to us. You go, man, that is not good. You can simply just text refund uh, and instantly your funds will be refunded to you. And so it is so, so simple. Uh, to be able to partner with the house in this way. And so we wanted to tangibly walk through this because we realized tech, technology can be confusing. Uh, and we want it to be enabling, empowering. We want you to, to feel like uh, we are giving you all the tools that you need to partner uh, with the mission of the house and the faithful work that God is doing here. And so hopefully that clarified more things than it confused. Uh, we are so thankful that you guys have chosen to spend your morning with us. Thank you so much, Ryan. Appreciate that. <clears throat> so you saw Ryan did a donation for $5 and $20. You can't expense that. That's, that's going through. That's, that's uh, you chose that. So... Um, Here's the good news. If you do text to give and the sermon stinks and you're walking out, you can just hit refund <laughs> on the way out. And Ed and I are going to keep stats to figure out who has the best batting average, okay? Um, we, we just want to say thank you for your generosity. Uh, thank you for being a part of us. 
uh, we have a great, amazing future ahead. And this is going to be a great story. Our church community is going to be an awesome, safe, amazing church community for young couples and young families and little kids. And we're going to have a legacy. It's going to be a great community. We are a great community. And um, we are better together. You've heard us say that so many times. And we just ask for you to ask the Lord. That's it. Just ask the Lord what you would do with your, with your finances and your generosity. Just be a part of us. We invite you to be a part of our story and be a part of our community in that way. And we just want to say thank you. And so there's lots of ways we're trying to make it easy for you. If you do want to give and you do want to be a part of that, that's why we're doing that. We're going to be around. If you have any other questions or you want to follow up with anything this morning, we'd be happy to chat with you more about it. Could I get you to stand? We're just going to close in prayer. I really do appreciate uh, you guys. Sid, I'm going to get you to come. And I, I didn't ask Sid to do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask Sid to pray. Um, you get a discount on your tithe if you pray. So... Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to ask Sid to just pray over our congregation so it's not just me as, the, as a pastor. From, but I would really say thank you for being extra patient and letting us walk through all this this morning. I really do appreciate that. Let's give Chad a great hand.